From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Friday, September 25th, 2020. Yesterday, September 24th, marked the 13-year anniversary of this show's premiere. Thank you to all of you for supporting this show over the last 13 years. It's a labor of love, and I am so grateful for it. So thank you to each and every one of you, and it is my honor to have social media correspondent for the Mets, sports, sorry, social media host for Sports Grid TV, Alyssa Rose, back with us to kick off year 14 of Teeing It Up. Thank you so much, Jeremy. It's such an honor to be the first guest in year 14. Yes, I. Uh, it was a great bar mitzvah yesterday, and now I'm ready to go <laughs> as an adult. <laughs> now you're a man. Um, so here we are. And I don't know if it's because, you know, uh, the golf scene's been crazy. Uh, you know, basketball playoffs have been so good. Football's, I, I don't know why this occurred to me. But as you know, I'm sitting there last week and I go, oh, my gosh. Last This week is the last week of the regular season. And it just, it seems like it's flown by as somebody who has lived baseball for all these years and was so grateful to get 60 games has this felt as fast as it's felt to all of us yeah you know to me because all i do when i don't have baseball is look forward to when i will have it again (laughs) to me 152 game season tends to fly by so this feels like i mean it's crazy that we're talking about like the cy young award right now i'm like they've only had like 10 starts not, like, you know, it's crazy. Um, this whole season, I'm not going to say it was a waste of a season, and I think it'll be really cool uh, if we see some of the teams that we weren't expecting to be in the position that they are emerging. Uh, that's all awesome. I'm interested to see now next year how those teams who feel like they've caught lightning in a bottle, how they do in a regular season next year. So yeah. that's just what I'm thinking about right now. I'm ignoring the fact that this one is over, and I'm just looking to next season. And, and to your point um, about, um, you know, just the, the, the wildness of this season, I believe the wins leader in baseball is with eight wins, which is just, you know, for starting pitchers, and when you look at who should be the Cy Young Award winner, seeing an eight next to that name is just very odd. Well, when you're talking to, you know, a Mets fan... Uh, someone who works with the Mets organization, Jacob DeGrom pretty much has that number in front of his Cy Young way. So that part's not as jarring to me. Yes, uh, that, is, uh, that is a good point. Uh, Shane Bieber uh, of the Indians is uh, who I was referring to. Who, by the way, is your Cy Young award choice right now uh, if the season ended right now? Oh, yeah. I think he had that locked up by like his third start. He's not human. He's, I would say the same about Shane Bieber as I say about Jacob DeGrom. Like, those people are not human. They're not people. They are robots who were put on this earth to throw baseballs fast and hard in a zone. So you think this is DeGrom's third straight Cy Young coming his way no. sometime in uh, December? No, 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 no. I think Trevor Bauer pretty much solidified his Cy Young win a couple of nights ago. That being said, I think Trevor Bauer will be in New York Met next season. Ooh. Uh, as upset as I am that I don't think Jake did it this season, and trust me, nobody's more upset about it than Jake. Uh, as upset as I am that Tavram more than likely 
uh, didn't win the Cy Young this year. I am excited that next year I'll be able to say that the last three consecutive Cy Young winners uh, are New York Mets. I will be shocked if Trevor Bauer is not a Met next season. And you're saying this when DeGrom has a 2.14 ERA, which just shows what he has done consistently here over three years. It's absolutely, mm-hmm. it's, it's just crazy remarkable. What? MLB stats tweeted before the season started predictions for Jacob DeGrom, and they predicted that he was going to have a 3-1-3 ERA. And when I tell you, I was like personally offended by that. How dare you assume that Jacob DeGrom's ERA is going to be in the threes? By the way, he's only getting better. He is only throwing harder. It is insane what this man is doing. I think if the season were to go 162 games, that uh, he could have won again. He just There were a couple of starts that didn't completely go his way. He had the hot spot on his finger. He had the strain in his uh, hamstring. So I don't know what we would have seen from a full season, uh, but I was literally offended that MLB stats predicted he would have a 3-1-3 ERA. Uh, that is, yeah, considering his pedigree, I guess they were assuming you can't keep this going for that long. But, wow, that is, yeah, it's, he is a robot. And uh, I'm glad to see him get four wins because you guys did not give him a lot of run support in previous <laughs> years. So four wins. Yeah, I think, I think they scored like either 32 or 34 runs for him in his, uh, not the last start, but two starts ago. Uh, in his previous two starts, they had scored. 30-plus runs for him. Yeah. Um, we are talking to Alyssa Rose here on Teeing It Up. All right. We've got expanded playoffs, and this happened after we had you on the show. So just as somebody who has grown up in the sport, what's your thoughts about this? We're going to have a whole lot of teams, eight from each league, making it. And then on top of that, we've got this three-game wild card series to start off where it's a crapshoot, three games in the, in the better team's home uh, ballpark with no buys where you could have the Dodgers, who I believe are the best team in the, in the National League, outed if they just have a bad two-game stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the playoff format for this season and this season only because we didn't get enough baseball. And this just, this just you know, kind of raises the stakes in the playoffs because, as you just mentioned, you know, one tiny bad stretch and, you know, the best team in baseball could be booted. Uh, but in the future, I would hate it. you gotta, you got to grind for 162 games to deserve a spot in the playoffs. This is kind of, we're giving it to you because we want the playoffs to draw more attention. And then, if you make it through, you get into a bubble. And <laughs> we've never had a baseball bubble before. So here's another yeah. first-time thing. 2020. Um, yeah. Um, hashtag 2020. As somebody who has been in so many... Uh, 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 ballparks and key moments as a Mets fan in the playoffs. How do you feel about a bubble environment where, yes, it'll be very conducive to getting this done, but any kind of an atmospheric gain you would get from being even in your home ballpark, even in your home, um, you know, locker room or in, in clubhouse is not going to be there. No, but it hasn't been there all season. Baseball, the pageantry of baseball, and uh, kind of like the beautiful thing about baseball, a lot of it is the sound that comes from the crowd when that crack of the bat comes off a no-doubt or home run. It's one of the most beautiful things in the sport, and we haven't had it all season. 
So I don't think that'll necessarily bother me as far as the playoff format goes. Uh, and look, I, I've really enjoyed watching the NBA playoffs. I've really enjoyed watching the NHL playoffs. Uh, I didn't enjoy the Islanders getting eliminated, but that's besides the point. <laughs> uh, if a bubble is what's going to keep them safe and it's what's going to ensure that you know the playoffs are carried out to fruition, uh, then I'm fine with it because we haven't had it all season, so it doesn't feel like anything else will be taken away. And then within that, you get no off days in these first couple series. And that's interesting because we've seen so often this season and pitchers being moved around and pitchers, you know, these seven inning games and not needing five starters. And then you suddenly need a fifth starter. Now you might need a fifth starter and you won't be able to pitch somebody game one, four, seven, for example, be, uh, uh, because of the lack of off days, de- depending on how your series goes and how your ace is pitching, this is going to be a different look, I think, when it comes to the playoffs. What's your thought on the actual schedule once they get into the bubble? It's going to be crazy to see what guys do on zero rest. Because uh, it's not, and listen, the pitching is obviously a massive, massive component, but you have to be really strategic about when you give a bat a rest, perhaps or when you're making, uh, you know, decisions coming off the bench, you've got to be really strategic with how often you're putting guys in a position to get zero rest of, you know, the wear and tear on their body, especially, you know, big-time base stealers uh, and things like that. You don't want to put anyone in a position to get hurt. So it is going to be, I think, more so than a normal World Series, a test of um, your manager as well and decisions that a manager is going to make for his players. I think it's going to be a huge test. And, you know, if any teams that are in the playoffs are, you know, potentially questioning uh, their manager right now, which would be silly if they made the playoffs, uh, you know, if they won the division at least. But if you're one of those teams who's kind of taking a look at your manager, the decisions that they make are going to be very, very key. So that's what actually I'm going to be paying attention to most is the managerial decisions. Um, as I said a, a second ago, I believe the Dodgers are the best team in the National League. The, the acquisition of Mookie, the way their um, pitching staff lines up, the way that their batting lineup you know, is, is, is super strong. They've been able to build this now and build this now and build this now over multiple seasons. And then it comes down to, is Kershaw going to be the ace in the playoffs and ultimately get them to the promised land or will he prove to be a liability? Is there a team that you believe is better than, than the Dodgers in the National League, and if so, why? I don't believe that there's a team that's better than the Dodgers in baseball. Uh, I think that there's a clear front runner for the World Series. And it's interesting that you mentioned Clayton Kershaw. When I think about the Dodgers pitching staff, I, I am obsessed with Dustin May. I think that Dustin May is the guy who we're going to really get a good look at in the playoffs and who is going to have to kind of put the team on his back a little bit in terms of the pitching. I don't think he's talked about enough. I can't stop watching him. I mean, I literally, like, in my spare time, go on YouTube and watch Justin May videos. I'm just obsessed with him, and I'm really excited to see what he does for the Dodgers for now until hopefully Steve Cohen comes in and offers him all the money and all the land. When Manny Machado went to the Padres, I was thinking... That's an interesting move. I know they got a good farm system, but that's an interesting place to sign. But hey, you got your money. God bless you. And then lo and behold, Alyssa, they go out and make the Clevenger trade that Trevor Rosenthal made. 
the uh, trade for the catcher, Noah. They 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 make the Mitch Moreland trade, and you combine that with Fernando Tatis Jr. becoming the force that he is, growing into his own, and maybe Manny knew what he was doing. Um, is this Padres team too green, or can they make a run at the Dodgers here? I don't know. Uh, that's probably a series that I'm more excited about than anything. Um, assuming that they'll get to play each other. But it's interesting with Manny because he got so much criticism when he went to San Diego. People were saying it's because he's lazy and he just wanted to, you know, take his big fat paycheck and live in arguably the greatest city in the country, uh, you know, the greatest lifestyle, at least, in the country. And that guy is an MVP candidate this season. So, you know, I don't know that he went to San Diego thinking that that team was necessarily going to be a contender so soon. But Manny knows what he's capable of. And, you know, if he has the potential to be the backbone of a team that's going to go places, can't criticize him anymore for making that decision. I think that they are for real, the Padres. And uh, I am very, very excited to see, uh, you know, for years to come now, the rivalry between the Padres and the Dodgers in the uh, NLF. I don't think that's a sentence either of us thought we would be uttering entering 2020. Absolutely not. It thinks that Clevenger got hurt. Yeah. Really. Um, is, is he out for the year or, or is he expected to? I believe that? so. Well, hopefully he can maybe make a late uh, uh, charge. But they were so active at the deadline and, and you would hope that, that, that they have enough uh, pieces left in that farm system to come up. But uh, good mm-hmm. point there. I saw that Clevenger got hurt, but I didn't see how long he was out for. Um, staying in the National League, I was on a golf course on trade deadline day, and I saw the Starling Marte to the Marlins trade come up on my phone, and I'm like, that's a perplexing trade for Derek Jeter to make, and that's a perplexing deal for the Marlins. That's an interesting place for him to land because the Marlins had run into all these problems. And then lo and behold... They come into this final weekend playing the Yankees, still in the thick of this playoff race in this crazy nat- uh, uh, National League um, race that, that could go 10,000 different directions, it seems like. Did you ever, when the Marlins were missing all those games and had all those people test positive and everything that happened with them, did you think they would ever be a playoff contender? No, nobody in their right mind. You know, I was talking to someone in Major League Baseball before the season started, uh, and I was just talking about, like, what's going to happen if teams get hit with COVID or, you know, if this becomes a problem. And this person who works in the Major League Baseball organization said to me, I have a feeling that teams that are, you know, going to go nowhere, like the Tigers and the Royals and the Marlins, might just forfeit the season to not put themselves in a position to, you know, get really sick. And obviously this was at the height where COVID was running rampant. Uh, And the Marlins ended up getting hit with the virus, as we know. And I thought, wow, maybe this guy had the foresight. Maybe he knew. uh, And maybe the Marlins are going to forfeit the season. So not only did I not envision them getting to the playoffs, I actually legitimately envisioned a scenario in my head where the Marlins were like, we're actually just going to sit this season out uh, for safety reasons. So not only did they battle back from, you know, being completely decimated by illness in the beginning of the season, they're not messing around. They beat the Braves last night. 
um, the Marlins are, are a legitimate team. I mean, listen, do I think that they're going to make the NLCS? No, of course not. But what they've done is really impressive and interesting. And, you know, I spent a lot of time in Florida. Um, I'm down in Miami really often. So I see Marlins fans, uh, you know, the few that there are. They're very passionate. So I'm excited for them to have a reason to watch baseball this season. Maybe Derek Jeter knows what he's doing after all as a, a, a head of baseball operations because he's been the laughing stock of baseball in that role for the last couple of years. So you never know what we're getting into uh, there. I am fascinated with the American League Central because you've got three teams here in the Twins, the White Sox, and the Indians that are all going to make the playoffs mm-hmm. and all have reasons. And you can go down the list and I can read off a whole lot of names here as to why one team is better than the other. And what's also interesting, 34 and 23 for the uh, White Sox, 35 and 22 for the Twins, 33 and 24 for the Indians. They're very close. It's not just that there's some you know, poor American League team that's letting one of them in. They all are very similar with very similar pedigrees. Who's your favorite AL Central team and why? The White Sox, and it's because they're just the most fun team to watch. I think they're the most fun team in baseball. I think they're the most electric team in baseball. I have, even though they've uh, slipped the past few days, I have confidence that they can beat anyone at any time, and they're going to make that win big and fun and exciting. My dream scenario, dream, is a White Sox-Padres World Series. I think it's going to be a White Sox-Dodgers World Series, um, but I, I just can't get enough of them. Uh, Jose Abreu is just incredibly talented. The question that I have with them is, like with so many of these teams that are going to be in in, in a playoff hunt and may be able to get hot in a short three-game series and upset some people like the Yankees, who are so used to being there and have so many veteran pieces, the question is, are they ready for the playoffs and everything that comes with it? And yet, in a bubble with no... Um, fans, is it easier potentially for a team like the Reds, uh, uh, the uh, White Sox? Listen, again, with the no fans thing, they haven't had fans all season. So that's not going to be different for them. If they've been jiving and they've been meshing without the fans now, uh, then yeah, I don't, see that, I don't see that changing anything for anyone at this stage in the game. If there were fans all season and then they were brought into a bubble where there were no fans, you know, then I would you know, really sit back and, and think about who that could or would affect. Uh, but th- that doesn't change at all uh, for anyone. No one's had fans in the ballpark. So I think those guys just have to, you know, put their head down, play their game, and most importantly, have fun. I truly believe, and I've said this from day one, that the teams that love each other and have fun together are the teams that win baseball games because it is such a grind, and especially now when there are no fans, you're all you have. Each other's energy is all you have to feed off of. So when you're having fun with each other and you're feeding off a ton of happy and positive energy, that's when things start to go well. And that's what I see happening with the Chicago White Sox. We have Alyssa Rose with us on Teeing It Up. She's the host of the Rose Report, which you can find how many days a week? I think it's three. Two days a week. We've moved the dates because now there's Monday Night Football to talk about. So Tuesdays and Fridays. Tuesdays and Fridays on both Instagram and YouTube for Sports Grid TV. Also social media correspondent for the Mets. Here on Teeing It Up, as baseball enters the playoffs starting next week, which seems like just yesterday we were talking about, can they get through the season? Well, they got through the regular season, and now they're prepping for the playoffs. Speaking of prepping for the playoffs, the Yankees have been hot and cold lately. 
and 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 that's no pun intended but Garrett Cole has also <laughs> been streaky at times um for me as a Yankee fan sitting here they've got the pieces back health-wise now the question in my mind is are they going to hit in clutch spots which has been their their huge problem in recent years number one and number two can this pitching staff put together quality starts in a short series, both in the wild card round and inside the bubble, if they make it through the wild card round, I don't know what to think about the Yankees. I believe that if they are on, they are the best team in the American League and the most talented team in the American League, but I'm not sure they can hit on all cylinders at the right time. What's your thoughts on that? I think you're right. Uh, that they're incredibly talented, and that I don't know that they're capable of firing on all cylinders at the same time. They are the Yankees. I do think that they'll win at least the first series that they play. But remember I said earlier that I think what's really going to matter if they make it to the bubble and if they you know, get into that scenario is your manager and the decisions that the manager makes. And I, I don't think that Aaron Boone is a particularly good manager. And I think that if the Yankees don't uh, succeed, or don't fulfill their potential once they're in the bubble, I do think that Aaron Boone could be the reason why. That is what I'll say. Well, look, the catching situation is a problem with with Gary Sanchez and all the pass balls. That's one of the main problems they have. The other thing, too, is the back part of this rotation, Jordan Montgomery and, uh, and uh, Debbie Garcia, are basically unproven under the spotlight because for so often the Yankees have been able to coast. Now they can't coast. So I'm very curious to see not only the managerial moves, but also these fourth and fifth starters that, as we said earlier, because of the bubble and no days off, are going to be increasingly um, crucial to a team's success or failure in the playoffs. That, to me, is what's interesting, and I think – how you navigate all that and who you bring back on short rest potentially. Um, and and that obviously falls with Aaron Boone, the manager. That's going to be fascinating for me. And, and one other thing too, Clint Frazier, this could be his coming out party. I know he's done a lot here in New York locally. I'm not sure the national scene has gotten a look at Clint Frazier, but he's taken advantage of injuries, earned that left field starting spot, the kid that the Yankees never wanted to trade because they knew they had something special with him is shown big on the regular season stage and now I think could really shine brightly on a national stage. Yeah, I think Clint Frazier is going to annoy me for a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> That's spoken like a Met fan. Spoken yep. like a Met fan. All right, so as we enter this last week and this last weekend of the regular season. We have currently in the National League slotted, if the season ended right now, five, six, seven, eight, the Cardinals, the Marlins, the Reds, and the Giants. And you look at the schedule for this weekend in Major League Baseball, and those Marlins, as I said, are facing the Yankees. We have the Cardinals facing the Brewers, who are still in it, technically, though they would need some help. You've got the, the um, excuse me, spoke over myself. You have the, the Reds facing the Twins. The Twins basically are trying to play for the first seed in the American League, but they've got everything locked up. 
Um, you have, and the Giants who are facing the Padres. Um, it's very interesting to me where this all falls in terms of the Cardinals because of the, the, the fewer games played. They have a, a different magic number than a lot of these other teams do, which you know puts them in an interesting spot. They're at 28 and 26. They're a couple games over 500. And they're facing a Milwaukee team that is fighting and clawing their way trying to get in this. Five, six, seven, eight. Cardinals, Marlins, Reds, Giants. Who's most likely to stay and who's most likely to go in your mind? The Reds. I definitely see the Reds uh, making the playoffs. Uh, and then my gut is saying Marlins. Would be a heck of a story. Even though they're playing the Yankees. It would be a heck of a story. Hey, the Yankees have been inconsistent. So if you're looking for... Um, somebody to come on the scene uh, big um, in, 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 in a big spot. It would be the Marlins because the Yankees have just been the king of inconsistency. What's interesting about the Reds is I think they're also a function of 2020. They've been the laughing stock of baseball for so long, but when you have Bauer and Castillo as your 1-2 in your rotation, Bauer with the 170 RA, Castillo with the 280 RA, and you Put in a sunny gray that has been above 500 and never was the right fit in New York. The Reds finally got a good pitching combination to go with Joey Votto and 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 the folks who have been in their lineup. Yeah, and I am such a Joey Votto fan. Uh, it would be really cool to see him get some success. We know that the Braves have been trending in this direction, but is this the time? where they come on the scene big in the playoffs, or is this going to run through California, um, literally, with the Dodgers and, and, and the Padres? Is there anybody that can give those two teams, who in my mind are the best two teams in the National League, and is there anybody that can give them, well, all right, let, let's just say Clevenger comes back, because I was reading that there is some thought that he could come back later in the playoffs. Assuming Clevenger does not come back, is it the Dodgers and the Braves, or is it the Dodgers and the Padres, or is it somebody else to potentially face the Dodgers in that LCS? Here's what you have to think about. Strength of schedule and who these teams have played, because it's very easy to break down because of the way that this season has gone. The Braves have played most of their games against the Phillies, who are eh, the Nationals, who are bad, the Mets, who can hit, but pretty much had no pitching off season. Uh, the Marlins, who were surprising. But then the Orioles, who kind of stink, right? Yeah. And then the rest of the AL East is okay. On the flip side, the West is good on both divisions, uh, in both leagues, rather. You've got, you know, the Astros haven't been great, but they're the Astros and they're a talented team. The A's, who they had to play against, uh, even though... Uh, the Angels obviously haven't done much. You're playing against Mike Trout a bunch. The West was an incredibly competitive league in both divisions, or division in both leagues, rather, this season. I don't think that we can compare what the Braves have, do have done to what the Dodgers and the Padres have done. Hmm. I think that the strength of their schedule was night and day, and I think that the Braves would be in for a very rude awakening playing one of those teams in the CS. 
To your point, the Yankees have an above 500 record over just the Orioles and the Red Sox. Everybody else who they've played, they are, the Red Sox. Yeah, they are below 500 against. So that, I think, speaks volumes about who you've played. And, and it's you bring up a fantastic point, which is for some of these teams, they're going to be facing their toughest competition all year for the first time, consistently day after day after day in the playoffs. So some of this could be a mirage, um, right? Which is like I don't think it's fair to mention the Braves and the Dodgers in the same sentence. Mm. Yeah, it's a very good point, and I had not thought of it, but that's a really, really good thought on your part, and that's why we have you on the show because you have really, really good thoughts on this stuff. Um, we are talking to Alyssa Rose here on uh, Teeing It Up. Before we get to your uh, postseason predictions, um, one completely random have not. I I just thought about this when when you mentioned the Islanders. What has it been like? to be a Met fan with the Mets lurking for so much of the back half of the season and then seeing your favorite hockey team literally go to the conference finals and this close to a Stanley Cup final. What has this run through the summer been like for you? The hockey stuff was really exciting, especially if you're an actual Islander fan. If you watched this team all season, you know, they started out unbelievable. And then towards the end, it was like, well, this team's going nowhere. And that was the first time that the Islanders had made the conference finals since 93. So obviously I was very young in 93. I've never gotten to see, and you know, when the Rangers won the Stanley Cup in 94, again, very young, didn't really get to appreciate it. There is nothing, in my opinion, and you know I love baseball more than anything. But when it comes to watching a sport, there is nothing like playoff hockey in terms of the anxiety and, like, how you're living and dying by every tip and every pass. To see the Islanders get to play at that level was enough for me. Like, obviously, it wasn't enough in terms of uh, did I wish that they won the Stanley Cup, of course. But that was so fulfilling as someone who's never gotten to see it. So that was awesome. That team, listen, when I was watching the Islanders and the Flyers series, those games usually would start immediately following the Bruins and the Lightning, and I have an Islanders group chat with all my Islander fan friends from high school, and I would say to them, after watching the Lightning and the Bruins, we look like we're playing in slow motion. So I had zero hope whatsoever of beating Tampa, and the fact that they hung in there the way that they did, the fact that that game, that series didn't go four, to me was a huge accomplishment and really exciting just as far as where this team is going in the future. And they have a brand new arena opening up in, what, two years, I believe? Yeah, I think next year they'll probably be back in the Coliseum. Yeah, I think they're going to work out a deal somehow to get that building reopened. Um, Things are definitely looking up for that organization, and it's a credit to Lou and, and just... And ownership. Unbelievable ownership. I don't know Scott Malkinwell, but John Ledecky is an unbelievable guy. He's a great person. And 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 for anyone who's an Olympics fan out there, he is Kenny yeah, Ledecky's uncle. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of sporting uh, love and affection in that family, both in terms of Katie and her swimming prowess and, and, and John as part of the ownership group. Yeah, All he's right. pretty happy for someone who, A, is a fan of the sport, 
is good for the team, makes good business decisions, and is a good person. Like, I'm I'm always one to root for a good human being. Yeah. John Ledecky is that. Um, all right. So, this is where we put you on the spot, Alyssa Rose. Okay. We know that your World Series pick is the White Sox and the Dodgers. So what's your ALCS, what's your NLCS, and who wins this thing overall? My, my ALCS, it's interesting. Both of my uh, championship series matchups are division series, which is cool. Um, I think it's going to be the Twins and the uh, White Sox in the ALCS, and the White, uh, the, sorry, the Dodgers and the Padres in the NLCS with, as you mentioned, the Dodgers and the White Sox playing each other, and I think that the Dodgers are going to win it in seven. I think they're going to give us a really fun World Series that the Dodgers will ultimately win. They're due. It's time. I think this is their year. With the addition of Mookie Betts, I can't see them not. And I think us as baseball fans and sports lovers deserve a seven-game World Series after everything 2020 has brought us. And I think that the Dodgers deserve to win the World Series you know, the year following uh, the Astros cheating scandal breaking. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I think the Astros are the luckiest team in baseball this year. They got something that just dwarfed anything related because they were going to be the enemy of all of baseball. And then suddenly a pandemic hits and the world changes. Um, Forget about the enemy of all of baseball. I was legitimately scared for them to go into some stadium. Because, you know, baseball fans are crazy. Yeah. We're very passionate and we're very crazy. And I was legitimately worried about them going to some... I mean, the Yankee fans admittedly said, like, we will kill you. Like, they were... They would have been in some dangerous spots, I think. Yeah. No, I I am with you. And and, uh, they got very lucky in that regard. And now they're fighting for the final spot in the American League playoffs. It is always a pleasure to have Alyssa Rose on, on this show. Uh, you can find her Sports Grid TV, The Rose Report, Tuesdays and Fridays. It's entertaining. It's a good listen. And watch her Instagram lives because it is the true sports fan emotion that we all think, but you don't always see in media. And I love what she's doing with her platform. So thank you, Alyssa, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up. Of course, Jeremy. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, and thank you all for listening to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. We'll see you next time.